And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully, you're having a terrific week. Uh, man, a lot to get to today. I was joined by my friend Brad Devlin, uh, host of the Elephant in the Room podcast. It's always a good time talking to Brad. We broke down uh, some of the highlights from last night's lib debate. Um, yeah, it was really boring stuff, a really boring debate, and me and Brad did our very, very best to uh, to make it entertaining. So, hey, look, we're trying to turn lemons into diamonds over here. I, I, I don't know. Does that make any sense? It's a weird analogy. Anyway, before we get to Brad, uh, guys, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play. If you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate it. And if you like what you're hearing and want to get involved, hit us up over on Patreon, patreon.com slash Podcast. All right, without further ado, here is my debate breakdown with the great Brad Devlin. <laughs> All right, guys, we're here with the host of the Elephant in the Room podcast, Mr. Brad Devlin. Brad, my brother, it's been a while, man. How you been? Hey, it's good to hear your voice, Brady. Thanks so much for having me on. Absolutely. So, man, uh, last night was the final Democratic debate before the Iowa caucus. Uh, and, man, it was it was it was rough. It was it was a rough one. It was a rough one. Um, we got to start with the big news coming out of the debate, the big news of the day. Uh and that is that CNN is doing it again. They're they're up to their old tricks. They famously colluded with the Clinton campaign in 2016 against Bernie Sanders, and they've decided to literally do the exact same thing again, this time going all in for Elizabeth Warren. And for anybody that missed it, Warren and Bernie are fighting with each other right now, which is hilarious. Uh, but they're fighting with each other right now because Warren accused Bernie of sexism. Uh, she alleges that Bernie told her that she can't win the presidency because she's a woman. Um, she's obviously lying. That doesn't really is as horrible as Bernie Sanders is. That doesn't really seem like something he would say. Um, and she's a known liar. And so at the debate, the, the, the crowning moment of this debate for me was a CNN debate moderator. I, I forget the woman's name, asked Bernie if it was true that he says this to Warren and he, he denied it. He said, no, I never said it. Um, and then the moderator immediately looks at Liz Warren and says, Senator Warren, <laughs> how did it make you feel when Bernie told you that a woman will never be president? And it's like, oh my God, it's like the most blatant, hacky, just transparent crap from CNN. I, I, I'm not surprised, but man, it's just it's it's beautiful. It, it's wonderful. Your thoughts. Yeah, you bring me on this podcast. You promise your listeners no gimmicks. And here we are. We're going to be talking about the biggest gimmick yeah. of the 2020 election cycle. Sorry, so guys. I almost didn't even want to talk about it. <laughs> That's my bad. It. It's so it's so funny to hear this progressive infighting ha- happening. And that's, you know, it, it's really, really beautiful. Because when that question is asked uh, to Elizabeth Warren, first off, why didn't the moderator just follow up with Senator Warren? Did Bernie Sanders just lie? <laughs> and let her answer that question. I, I don't know. I, I don't understand why why she didn't ask that question. But instead, she just says, "Well, 
Bernie's probably lying, so I'm going to forward this question to how to Elizabeth Warren. So how did that make you feel? And she looks visibly uncomfortable at, <laughs> in the middle of that question. She is fidgeting like no one else. And she goes, you know, I'm good friends with Bernie. Me and Bernie are just so such good friends. We're progressive allies. But here's my, my very long scripted answer for this question that I knew you were going to be directing to towards me. I mean, it's almost like Donna Brazil feeding uh, questions to the Clinton campaign levels of collusion, if we're going to use the C word here. Uh, it, it really it really is unbelievable to, to see this progressive infighting because Elizabeth Warren sees herself sliding and she sees the only way that she's going to make gains is by taking Bernie Sanders support. And she can't out progressive Bernie, but she can out intersectional Bernie and she can out identity politics, politics Bernie. And I think that's that was her attempt at leaking this, right? Her staffers leaked this, not herself, not her. It wasn't a report from her, um, but she did come out with a lengthy statement that was very similar to her, her debate response. Just the the lack of professionalism from, and like like I said, I can't remember the the woman's name, but from the moderator was just hilarious. Like she didn't get the answer she wanted from Bernie, so she just powered through. She's like, "Well, I'm just gonna ignore that." Liz Warren, it's like it's so funny, man. And like, also the audience laughed. Like the the CNN audience, fans yeah. of CNN laughed at CNN live on CNN for being too much like CNN, right? Like it was yeah. really funny, and uh, and Bernie Sanders just laughed. Like how do you even react to that? Like it's so transparent. It's so it's just brutally transparent. But here's my question, man: Why Warren? Like why why do the press? Like she's in fourth place in a lot of the national polls. She's in third place right now in Iowa. She's in fourth place in New Hampshire. Why Warren? Like, why? Obviously, the press believe, they still believe for some reason that they're the kingmakers. I, I obviously don't think that they are, not even for Democrats who still worship the press. But, like, Warren's tanking. Like, I, I don't think she's going to last very long. I mean, probably, she, she'll probably be out after Super Tuesday, to be honest, unless something really turns around. So, like, why do they think that Warren is their ticket? Like, why are they going all in on her? Yeah, I think I think your point about kingmaking is very, very important in this election when we talk about the biased news media, the left-leaning news media. When they failed to get Hillary Clinton elected off of their identity politics BS in 2016, their only response was to double down, right? Now, the only person left that they can put their arms around and forward an intersectional narrative, right? I mean, they love the postmodern intersectional narrative, is Elizabeth Warren. I mean, poor Pete Buttigieg. It seems like everyone's forgotten that he's gay. <laughs> I mean, this is the only person that they can really put their arms around. And I, I think that they put their arms around because she makes them feel smart. She makes them feel academic. She makes them feel um, energized in a way that Sanders, right, in a, in a not as overtly radical way as Sanders does, right? They want someone from uh, what they perceive to be the academic elite. They want someone who is polished and smart. Uh, Elizabeth Warren is none of those things, but the only alternative would be Bernie Sanders in that question because Bernie Sanders actually mirrors what the academic elite thinks more than Elizabeth Warren, but the media isn't even willing to make that jump because they know it's so unpalatable and they also can't forward an inter intersectional narrative. So. This is this is a continuation of 2016. The, the tricks that the, the press and the media are trying to play on the American people in 2016, and that and if that involves um, throwing Bernie by the wayside, they don't really care all that much. I mean, don't get me wrong. I I don't want anything good to come out of uh, Bernie Sanders' campaign. He's a, a 
evil Marxist. But uh, it's just so funny that that they're repeating the exact same mistakes. They didn't get away with it in 2016. They got caught red-handed. That's the thing. It's like it's not like they got away with it, and so they're trying to get away with it again. They got caught red-handed, and then they were even more transparent about it this time around, which is just hilarious. I mean, they're just terrible at their jobs. But I just think Warren, with this attack on Bernie Sanders— She's just really bad at this, man. She's really bad. Like, we talk a lot about how Hillary Clinton was a bad candidate and, and stuff. Um, Liz Warren's terrible at this. And I think she's making a, a grave mistake. I think she's making a huge miscalculation. I mean, de- on campaigns, desperate candidates do make bad decisions. We've seen it a million times. And obviously, she she was the front runner about three months ago, and now she's in fourth place. So, you know, she's probably feeling some of that desperation, what, you know, two weeks before, two or three weeks When's Iowa? It's uh the week of the Super Bowl, right? Yep, it's the, it's the, about three weeks from now. Yeah, yeah three I think weeks it's the fourth of February, I want to say. Yeah. So yeah, she's probably getting desperate. But like, if I were her, you would think conventional wisdom is just attack the front runner, attack Joe Biden. Joe Biden, for some reason, he's been tef- Teflon so far. Like none of the attacks have been working, and he forgets where he is, and his eye explodes on national television, and for some reason he doesn't drop in the polls. But like, if I were Liz Warren's team. I would just hammer Joe Biden, try to knock him off, and then hope that you can out-campaign and out-smart Bernie Sanders if it's down to just you and him, that kind of thing. But what she's done is piss off the commie base, which is both her base and Bernie Sanders' base, is like the, the Democratic Socialist types. Two, Dude, check this out. Two of the top five—I just checked this about 20 minutes ago before we started recording. Two of the top five trending items on Twitter are hashtag NeverWarren, and hashtag Warren is a snake. And it's all from Bernie bros who are pissed at her. I mean, what she's doing, let's say she does knock off Bernie Sanders and somehow wins the nomination. She's not going to be the nominee, but let's say she is. I think she's alienated herself from the Bernie bros. I don't think the Bernie bros are going to vote for her. I think they're really pissed at her taking this cheap shot at their guy, and those are votes that she's not going to get if, if she... For some somehow makes it to the general, which she won't. Yeah, I think that also just, God, I hate this so much. You're turning me into a Bernie Sanders <laughs> defender. I, I mean, as I you said, he's an evil Marxist piece of garbage. <laughs> I but know. here I am, 2020, the weirdest timeline. Here we are defending, you know, Joe Biden when he gets attacked <laughs> by Kamala Harris on racism and Bernie Sanders when he's, a, when he's accused of sexism. It's really, it's really quite something to behold. And you know what? Before I before Warren's before, campaign, before I let right, you, right, here, I, Warren's, hold that thought. Hold is, that hold that thought, Brad. Like the thing is, we have to defend these people because they can't attack each other with anything real because they're all the same. Like they're all a bunch of freaking commies, right? They all agree that they want to raise everybody's taxes and what you know they do awful stuff and Medicare for all, and they're all equally terrible on the actual issues. So they have to they're attacking each other on like sexism or whatever. They're they're making up stuff Bernie said or they're they're making a case about forced busing in the '60s or whatever you know whatever Kamala Harris was talking about. That's why we have to defend it because they won't even attack each other on the real substance. They just have to make stuff up since they all basically agree with each other on all the real talking points anyway. Right. And I think that this this goes to a really, really important point about American values and, ha- and how we value free expression and free speech in this country. Um, if if we don't defend people like Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden when they face dishonest attacks, we are doing exactly what the left has done for the past 
60 years since they've decided to make up this big myth of the big switch uh, back during the civil rights era, right? We're doing the exact same thing. We need to defend these people because if we aren't able to be honest about their records and about what they've said in the past, then we can't have substantive discussion on the issues. We can win on the issues. We don't need to make up attacks against against our foes. Yes, all these people are, you know, democratic socialist Marxist piece of garbage who's going to take your who's going to, you know, be willing to to take more than half of what you earn. And we can be honest about those about those policies and have substantive debates about them when we're faced with them. But we and that's why and that's why you see all of us, you know, Rich Lowry's tweeting out articles today from the Intercept, the freaking Intercept, right. right? He's an editor at the National Review. There's a reason why there's a coalition now saying that CNN is trash and CNN is garbage, and there's memes going around of the uh, A team scene of St- Sylvester Stallone and Terry Crews grabbing their, you know, dapping each other up with their ripped arms, saying Bernie supporters and Trump supporters, and in the middle. Well, the handshaking is CNN is trash. Um, <laughs> there, there's a reason for that. And, and I, I really do think that it's an, in, important for people to know that we're not defending these people because <laughs> because we feel like it's the more it's it's the uh, we don't feel like it's advantageous to the electoral prospects of John, Donald Trump, even though it might end up being it's because it's the moral and right thing to do. And we ought to ha- be able to have conversations that don't involve accusations of racism, sexism and bigotry homophobia because if we if we keep doing that you're just going to see our social fabric continue to corrode and corrode and corrode i mean if i was elizabeth warren staffers these are the people who leaked it right most likely elizabeth warren staffers leaked this story i would have called up kamala harris's campaign and see how their dishonest attack on joe biden played right what is kamala kamala harris doing last night she's sitting at home watching the debate that's what she's doing and i think that elizabeth warren will be uh in the same boat come before super tuesday uh, at this point, because she is just hemorrhaging support. Everyone who, everyone who, you know, she couldn't out progressive Bernie, and she couldn't out presidential Buttigieg, and she, she's not, and she's not willing to uh, make more pro market arguments that she did when she was a registered Republican for the first forty seven years of her life. I mean, she, she's brand new to the market skepticism, and she's not being able to do it honestly and fruitfully. And that's why the Bernie Sanders supporters, you know, I hate to defend them, but they have a serious leg to stand on here. She's a fraud. She's given up every single every single ideological and policy viewpoint that she's had since about 2003 in order to win this nomination, and people are seeing through that. And the media, because they've bought they bought in on Warren a long time ago, they're doing all that they can to justify her childish antics. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And and I, I've worked on a few campaigns. I think I think you've worked on campaigns as well, right? Yeah. So like it, watching these debates, I. I I try I, sometimes I put myself in like the the place of like working on one of these people's campaigns or something what their staffers must be thinking. I I have to imagine the Warren team is terrified because as soon as she made this 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 whatever leaked no, I mean on a campaign like this nothing happens without the candidate or at least the campaign manager top level people knowing about it. But after this this leaked accusation came out Every single person in America just automatically assumed that Bernie didn't actually say that and Warren was lying. <laughs> because right. she lies so often about everything. Like she I mean she lied about her own race for 20 years. Or like just weird stuff like that. She just she's a congenital liar. 
they should be terrified. Team Warren should be terrified that when she made this, I mean, not even like the feminist groups or anybody, like nobody was supporting her in this accusation. Like everybody kind of just, except for CNN and that debate moderator, obviously, but everybody basically just assumed left, right, and center that she was lying. Like if you're a candidate, if like, if it's just public knowledge that, yeah, you can't really believe anything this candidate says because they're just a known liar. Yikes, man, might be time to pack it in. I don't think, <laughs> like you can rebound from a lot of things. Uh, but, I don't know, but just having the reputation of just somebody that should not be taken seriously on any level is, uh, I, I think, I don't think that, that's a kiss of death, man. I don't think you can really rebound from something like that. Yeah, I, I do pity these campaign staffers who are going to have to go to the grassroots and, and justify this decision, specifically to the people who are most active in the in the grassroots. And that's the Democratic Socialist energized base, like right, the people in California who are who are big donors to to the Democratic Party, to to Elizabeth Warren uh, and to Bernie. They're going to have to go and justify this move to them. And I don't think it's going to go over well. Um, and when you're having an, the night after a debate or the day after the debate, when you're having a national debate on whether or not you are more dishonest as a politician than Hillary Clinton, you ought to look yourself in the mirror. <laughs> I mean, Hillary Clinton was was the most dishonest figure in American politics in the 21st century. And now that people are comparing you to her and and the antics that you're pulling with your campaign to her, you ought to look yourself in the mirror. And I don't think Warren has the uh, humility or the capacity to do that. I mean, even her response, right, even her response to, to Bernie Sanders, that she was the first to beat a Republican incumbent in 30 years. Well, she hasn't even been a Democrat for 30 years. She was a Demo- She was a Republican, a registered Republican up until now. 1996. And her justification for that was, well, because I believe Republicans look out more properly for the markets, something that she's incredibly uh, against and skeptical now, right? She's incredibly skeptical of markets. She's incredibly skeptical of American business. Yeah, she's hostile. Yeah, she's hostile. She's hostile. I mean, every single, I I have a full episode of my podcast where I break down every single one of her, not every single, but every single one of her big tax change, uh, tax policy changes. And it's incredibly hostile to small and big business alike uh she's you know she's willing to paint with a broad brush uh when she goes after the markets so yes she hasn't even been a republican for 30 years and she acts like the republican she beat was was unbeatable that it was never going to happen and that's not what a lot of people in massachusetts have been arguing a lot of people who are democrats moderate democrats progressive democrats in massachusetts are sick and tired of her um of her running on this fake record of champ of 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 being a progressive champion it's it's really really quite obnoxious to them. I mean, she went on and say, you know, between these, between the men on stage, they've lost 10 elections. Well, the women haven't lost a single one. Well, live emission there. Good thing Amy Klobuchar dropped out of a race in 1994 for some low level position in the state government of Minnesota because she would have lost, right? She dropped out because she would have lost. Um, so it, it's just dishonesty on top of dishonesty on top of dishonesty. And you're seeing now with the CNN is garbage and the CNN is trash and the CNN is <laughs> fake news stuff coming from the progressives. Yep. They're finally waking up to the fact that to the fact that Republicans and conservatives have known for years in this country that it's not necessarily how it's not always necessarily what they are saying, even though they that we might disagree on the policy. It's how they're framed everything. It's the framing that changes everything. And that was the most, and that was honestly a big blunder from CNN when they move on from Bernie Sanders' response 
to the question to Elizabeth Warren is they botched the framing. It was so overt that people finally are waking up to it on the left. And I'm sick and tired of teaching our young people in this country, in their AP U.S. history and their AP government courses, that media is the fourth estate of, of the U.S. government, that the media are the are these, uh, you know, objective watchdogs over our country. No, they're just an extension of the Democratic Party. They're just an extension of, of the progressive whims and wing of this nation. And it's really, really, uh, it's quite enlightening uh, to, see, to see this all unfolding before us. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're just the, the, the propaganda wing of the Democratic Party. And I am happy to see yeah. some lefties waking up to that. Hey, welcome aboard, lefties. We've been, we've been preaching this for, for decades at this point now. <laughs> right. So, and, and you know what? Just to, just, to, just to make sure that we're all clear on this, right? Just because they realize it doesn't mean that we have the same mission going forward and how to deal with the spread of disinformation from the media. I'm sure oh, no. these left wingers would love more disinformation from the media. It's the oh, same it's the same uh, reason why there's a coalition of right-wing young men and progressives following Andrew Andrew Yang so closely. That's why the Yang gang succeeding is because Yang actually recognizes the problems that led to the, the problems with throughout the country that led to the election of Donald Trump, right? That doesn't mean that they have the same path forward. That's why I often say to Right wingers and libertarians who are who are um, sympathetic towards the Yang Yang, and I think you know Yang is actually one of the few Democratic candidates who's had a positive impact on the electoral culture in this United on the United in the United States. But at the same time, be wary of his policy proposals. I'm glad that we can agree on what created these problems, but that doesn't mean that we have the same vision moving forward, right? I mean, you've seen oh, James O'Keefe's new videos on exposing 20 the 2020 campaign, the Bernie Sanders campaign, right? They, I mean, they they're opening they're Open, openly advocating for gulags, some of these grassroots organizers. So just because we recognize that the problem exists doesn't mean that we have the same path moving forward. And I think that's something that we all ought to recognize very and scrutinize very, very closely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I'm not saying the Bernie bros are on our side here. We have fundamental differences in, in what we want to accomplish. I mean, us on the right, we, you know, we want uh, institutions to be less powerful. I mean, we want institutions like the press to be less powerful. We want the state more generally to be less powerful. Uh, the Bernie bros are right. just mad want, because they're, the, they're not— the institutions to be less powerful, and these Bernie bros wants the, want the state to be more in control of the media to forward they, their progressive narratives. And, that's, yeah, just, and they, that's just something they, that we ought to, we ought to make sure that, that viewers of this podcast know and understand. Yeah, of full. course. I mean, the difference, <laughs> the difference between the, the right and the left is the right wants these institutions less powerful. The left wants to be in control of these institutions. Like, the Bernie bros aren't pissed off because these institutions are too powerful. They're only pissed off because Bernie Sanders isn't the dictator over these institutions. I mean, that's right, that's right. their now, now the guns, fundamental now the difference. At them. Now the guns pointed at them, and they're not too happy about it. Absolutely. So Van Jones, uh, CNN commentator, um, this is the same Van Jones who was fired from the Obama administration for being too much of a commie. Um, <laughs> just if anybody needs a refresher on uh, where Van Jones sits on the political spectrum. Um, obviously, he's no fan of Trump or Republicans more generally. Um, but he said uh, after the debate, they did their ridiculous CNN debate recap where they have like 27 commentators just all in a line up there. It's ridiculous. Hey, guys, right, you don't need to bring out the entire staff. Like, it's like just have a couple people have have like a red guy and a blue guy come out and talk about it. Don't bring out the entire just office of, of CNN. Anyway, that's a, that's a story for another day. But anyway, Van Jones said, and I absolutely agree with him, that he didn't see anybody on that stage that can beat President Trump. And look, look, I'm a Trump. 
I'm voting for Trump. I voted for him last time. I'm happy to vote for him again this year. Um, you know, you never want to carry that mindset that your guy is going to win into an election. You always got to, you know, just like playing sports. I mean, you have to act like you're behind. You have to play like you're behind. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you have to go into every election cycle as if you're five points behind, even if you're five points ahead. You know, you, you never play prevent defense. Obviously, Mitt Romney played prevent defense in 2012, and he lost. Hillary Clinton played prevent defense in 2016, and she lost. Um, so I don't want Trump supporters, I don't want Republicans and conservatives to carry this mindset. But as of right now, man, I agree with Van Jones. I do not see any of these clowns beating President Trump in the general. I just don't see it right now. Right. I don't I mean, the only ones who would have a legitimate shot, I think, in a general election, um, you know, from a policy standpoint, you would think Joe Biden has the chops, but he doesn't have the energy. He doesn't have the, the wherewithal. He doesn't have, um, you know, he's left, just too senile. He doesn't have the, to the left Trump. eyeball. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. And then you, you, you move on to Bernie Sanders. OK, way too left wing. You move on to Elizabeth Warren. OK, fraud, just flat out fraud and way too left wing. Yep. You, you move on to Amy Klobuchar. She doesn't have a path to the nomination. Let's be real. You move on to Tom Steyer. What a waste of space. I mean, what a waste of oxygen in Des Moines, Iowa he is. How and then does he qualify for all of these debates? Like, I've, have you ever met, like, a Tom Steyer supporter? No. No, they don't exist. They don't exist. I, <laughs> I, I don't get it. I really don't know how he's made it, made it this far onto the stage. And I think that it's just a lot of money. I think Bloomberg could be up there if he really, really did try. But I, you know, I, it was funny. I read a, read an article this morning about it and it's, it's Tom Steyer is just uh, paying for a fantasy camp where he gets to be a presidential candidate and learn what candidates do. I mean, it, it really is like he's gone to space <laughs> camp uh, this, this election cycle. I really do think that the only one who would be able to hold a candle to Donald Trump would be Pete Buttigieg. Pete Buttigieg is exactly like Obama. He has the right mix. I don't think he so. has the right mix. He has the right mix of of left wing policies as well as the um, Obama presidential uh, uh, aura about him. And I think that he could. I think that he could be a legitimate contender. But I don't I think disagree. Make it, I, I, don't I think totally he, disagree with you. It, look at. I don't think the, he'll make it out of the Democratic primary, so it doesn't even matter. No, no, it doesn't matter. But like. I, I think I, I see something totally different with Pete Buttigieg. And anytime I hear him speak and Republicans come up or Christianity comes up or anything he doesn't like comes up, I just see angry. I see just an angry little man. Like, I, you didn't get that. Like, Obama 2008 was all hope and change. Uh, you know, the anger came later <laughs> at Republicans. But that first campaign, Obama was not angry. He was not pissed off. He was, it was all positive. It was all uplifting. That's not Pete Buttigieg, man. He's like, you know, I'm gay. That's great. I'm a veteran. That's great. And I hate Republicans. You know what I mean? It's like a very, like, angry, like, just hateful kind of campaign he's running. So I actually, I don't really see, I mean, he's a good public speaker and stuff like that, but I really don't see that many parallels between him and Obama circa 2008. So let's look at, so let's look at where he surged in the polls. As Elizabeth, as he stepped away from his, Angry lamentations about about religious conservatives, right? As he's as he's st- stepped away from that, he's received a surge in the polls, and I think that, that that is something that he's noted fervently in his campaign, right? Like they've they've noted that, and they and they aren't being as overt about it. Yes, there's all of these dog whistles, just like Obama, right? Obama had the hope and change, but there was a ton of dog whistles to I hate Republicans, just enough to keep that progressive base in line with. Um, with voting for him and, and staying energized. And I think Pete Buttigieg is realizing that and why he's surging in the polls. But 
it's too late of a charge. It's too late for him to come and, and really dethrone Joe Biden. And also, he's not attacking Joe Biden enough on the issues in order for him to make inroads with his community. I think that a lot of a lot of educated, uh, specifically educated white Democratic voters who are you know, borderline moderate progressive are going towards Buttigieg because they realize that Warren's not a viable middle ground between Bernie and and Joe Biden. And Pete Buttigieg is that only other option. Um, I just don't think that Pete Buttigieg is doing good enough to is doing well enough in marketing that to the Democratic base as a whole. You know, people are having these individual awakenings about Pete Buttigieg on an individual level, but they're not having um, and that's and that's creating a bump in the polls. But that's not wide enough in scope for him to actually make serious inroads and become the Democratic non- nominee. So one, one more one more question before I let you go, Brad. Obviously, we're both Republicans. We're both voting for Trump. But we're allowed to root for somebody to come out of the Democratic field. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you who I'm rooting for. And it's not Andrew Yang. I like Andrew Yang. He seems like a nice guy. I'd get a beer with him. Seems like a good dude. It's not Tulsi Gabbard. You know, she's very physically attractive, so that's a plus. I like, you know, she's on TV a lot. That's cool. I'm glad she's running. But I'm rooting, I, in a perfect world, if I could choose the Democratic nominee, it would be one of the freaking billionaires. I want them to nominate a billionaire so bad. And, like, it's not going to happen. Like, Bloomberg's not going to get the nomination. Tom Steyer's not. But, like, I saw there was a poll out of Iowa that had Bloomberg at, like, 14% or something last week. So, like, I don't know. Maybe there is some kind of momentum for Bloomberg. But, like... I, I think it's hilarious. I think it's absolutely hilarious that the Democrats have already gotten rid of all of their black and brown candidates. <laughs> like, it's hilarious that the, it is the whitest field of all time. The people that are just constantly screaming about the social justice warrior stuff, you know, that none of the black candidates had any support. Kamala Harris did for a minute at first, and then she fell apart. But, like, that's hilarious. And what would even be more hilarious is if they nominated one of the evil billionaires, you know, it wouldn't, I mean, that would just, oh my goodness, that would be beautiful. So like, I mean, who are you, who are you rooting for? Obviously you don't want any of them to actually win, but just what would be the perfect scenario going into the general? What would just warm your heart, Brad? Right. I, I, for one on the billionaire point, right? Play stupid games, win stupid prizes, yep. folks. I mean, if, if you are going to buy in uh, totally to this, you know, intersectional politics and then elect oh, and then nominate a white billionaire. Um, that would just do that would just I mean, that's just a dream for Trump in electorally. So, yeah, like that would be fantastic. Put him up against another white billionaire yep. and have the entire energy and momentum from 2018 built in the Democratic base to just fall apart oh. instantaneously. It would be it would be phenomenal to watch uh, the Democratic Party, um, you know, finally reap the harvest it sowed. Um I want, I, I want that so bad. Say, I want it so bad. Right. I want it so bad. I have to say the billionaire one is, you know, Tom Steyer would be hilarious. It would just be amazing to watch because um, Tom Steyer has nothing substantial to say on any issue. Uh, <laughs> I would have to say I'd still like to see Warren make it out because I would love to have, have that, you know, as, as great as it would be for that progressive base to have the wind sucked out of its sails, sucks out of its sails at the Democratic convention, it would be even more beautiful to see CNN and 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 the DNC specifically, right? I mean, look at the difference between the DNC and its centralization of control and the RNC and its relatively uh, grassroots, free-moving movement. Um, watch, watch that those two institutions, specifically the media and the DNC, absolutely fall on its own sword for a second time 
since uh, since 2016. I mean, it would be phenomenal to watch, and I, I really. I really don't think it's going to happen, but I would I would keep rooting for Warren to make it out just to see that that happen again, just to see CNN continue to fall on the sword, just to see people get more, more and more ticked off and probably come more and more into the Trump camp as they see this the dishonesty more overtly occur in 2020, the same that we saw in 2016. Amen to that. It would be a dumpster fire, and uh, we will be here covering every second of it, for better or for worse. <laughs> Regret- <laughs> regrettably, we'll be here covering all of it. We, t- we watch all this stuff so the audience doesn't have to, and we report back to the good folks back home. Everybody follow Brad on Twitter. He's great. Everybody check out his brand-new podcast, The Elephant in the Room, uh, which is on Google Play, SoundCloud, all that stuff, and will be on iTunes very shortly. Uh, it's a great show. Everybody check that out. I'm sure Brad will be back on very soon. Uh, it's always a good time talking to you, man. Let's do it again soon. I am Brady Leonard. I will be back on – shoot, is it Monday or Wednesday today? It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Monday. No gimmicks.